0: Welcome to Hunter and Craft Radio. What's up guys? Evan Lewis here with another episode of Hunter and Craft Radio. On this episode, I'm joined by John Barrows, sales trainer for the world's leading software companies. John is a badass, and if you know any of his writing or his work, you'll know that he's very no-nonsense, very straight up, and he's constantly trying to add value and offer great insights. Such a fun episode. We dig into social selling, sales account strategy, productivity and writing routines, and also get a lot of great nuggets on entrepreneurship that John has picked up in his career running jbarrows.com and other companies. I know you guys are gonna love this episode. Without any further ado, here's John. On today's show, I'm very pleased to be joined by John Barrows. John, how are you doing today, buddy?
1: Fantastic, uh, my friend. How are you?
0: Pretty good. It's uh, It's been a long week, I know, for both of us. Uh, I'm just coming off of... My last signature actually just uh, just sunk a hundred K deal, which is pretty nice. So that was was a good good way to end the week. And I know you're uh, you've been knee deep in uh, sales kickoff season. Give the give the listeners a quick preview of uh, where you've been in the last two weeks.
1: Yeah, this is the the season, right? So um, sales kickoffs are crazy. I'm I'm based out of Boston, but I'm actually living out here in San Francisco for six weeks because all my stuff's out here. Um, you know, I've been everywhere from San Diego to Tennessee to, uh, Utah to Denver to back to Denver, um, San Jose. So even though I'm staying here in San Francisco, I thought it was going to be all downtown, but it's actually just West Coast. I'm still bouncing around quite a bit, but having a blast in a lot of fun companies I'm working with. Everybody's trying to figure out the sales game and, and how to hit it. So, uh, and, and really how to get the off the year uh, on a strong foot, which is, uh, which is a fun time.
0: Awesome, buddy. You must be excited um, on a different note for your, uh, I assume
1: you're a Patriots fan,
0: so big game on Sunday.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, loud and proud, too. That might turn off a good portion of your listener <laughs> audience, but uh, I, I, I am a loud and proud Patriots fan. And I'm not going to apologize for it. I think going to be nice
0: yeah and i'm sure uh bruins too it's funny one of my best friends is uh as boston as they come he is tatted up to the nines with he's got paul revere riding in on uh on a horse (laughs) on tattooed on his shoulder he's got welcome to boston on his underarm so hopefully he listens to this one but uh yeah no i i mean we're obviously big hockey fans up here in canada so
1: uh your your bruins
0: are not too popular with our leafs but uh we'll leave that for another time i can't imagine
1: yeah, I was gonna say I can't imagine. I'll
0: I'll tone down the accent so everybody else can understand me. <laughs> cool, man. Well, this is gonna be a fun chat. I really appreciate you, you know, taking some time. Um, you know, I, I really uh, look through, you know, your site a whole lot. Obviously, I've been following you for a while, and your your writing is fantastic and uh, really speaks to kind of what this podcast is all about, right? You know, you're you've done such an amazing job kind of packaging up all the things that you've learned in your career, obviously that's your business is sales training, but um, you're so amazing at kind of sharing your knowledge and putting it out there. So there's going to be lots of good uh, good nuggets to come in this episode, as you like to say, but Again, we're gonna we're gonna dig into a couple key things. So we're gonna talk about uh, personal branding. Obviously, that's a you know very core strength of yours. You've done a lot of work on your personal brand. Your new site is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna dig Excellent. into some social selling. Um, we're gonna dig into sales team design and uh, some productivity stuff. Uh, I'm particularly excited about this episode just because you know I've been kind of knee deep in this world. Um, you know, the sales SaaS world for. Uh, the last two years, right? So at Post Beyond, um, I was the first full-time sales guy. Uh, just you know, a little bit of my background. Uh I was the first full- time sales guy and I started in the inside in, inside sales role essentially right so digging up deals uh, and basically all I was doing was social selling right so you know i we didn't have we didn't really know about the sales loss of the world and those types of things um, and we didn't have much of a robust strategy in terms of list building so I got some of our early deals off of social selling so excited to talk about that and then now I've transitioned to the aE role um, and you know never had that role before and you know, like, like I said to you earlier, I'm excited to become your best student because literally your site is uh, chock full of um, a lot of the things that I'm encountering day to day that I'm screwing up day to day. And, uh, you know, so obviously your, your guidance is huge on that. So uh, in terms of the listeners who don't, you know, who aren't familiar with your work, I'd love if you could just give, you know, a high level background on uh, your career, how you got into training uh, and that type of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. I've been, I've been trying to pretty much same thing with you, like make a lot of mistakes along the way and figure out what works and what doesn't work and share with people. Um, <clears throat> just like everybody else, I kind of fell into sales or evolved into sales because there's so few majors out there in sales. So my background's marketing. Uh, got, got out of college, realized that really wasn't my thing or couldn't really make enough money doing it. So. Um, Got into sales with DeWalt Power Tools, driving around, giving away free tools to construction workers, which was pretty fun. Um, Then went over to Xerox, and that's really really where I learned how to sell and got a really formal sales education and also, obviously, learned how to take rejection. Uh, Selling copiers is about as brutal as it gets. (laughs) Then after that, um, when I was about 23 years old, uh, a couple of buddies of mine, uh, myself, uh, from high school, we started a company called Thrive Networks doing outsourced IT support. And we really had no idea what we were doing. I mean, I was 23, so I, I, was, I took every training there was. There was Salem, there were Hyman, Tad, and all of it. And um, I came across this one training called Basho. And it was the first training that I really liked. And it was very, very applicable. Kinda, it, it wasn't hard, and it was easy to produce results. So I used it, helped grow, thrive up, became um, the fastest growing company in Massachusetts for a few years in the road there.
0: Nice. And
1: then uh, ultimately sold it off to Staples. Um, Staple came bought us and then spent about a year going through that integration and come to find out apparently I'm not really a corporate guy. <laughs> uh I don't I don't have much of a filter and I really don't like playing politics. So after a little while, Stables uh they offered me another position, which is a nice way of firing me. <laughs> and then uh when I was looking for a gig, uh that gig bachelor came knocking and said, John, you wanna be a trainer? And I said, Absolutely not. You know, I, I have no interest in being a trainer. So why not? Because I don't like trainers. You know, most trainers I had met up until that point were either failed sales professionals or professional presenters. Yep. And uh, I didn't really want to be a part of that. And they said, don't worry. You have to use all these techniques to sell so you can train, so you can get paid. <laughs> so I like that, right? I like the whole practice, which you preach thing. Yep. So I uh, joined the company, brought on some of the bigger accounts, took over some of the bigger ones. And then uh, long story short, they screwed it all up. And a uh, new CEO came in. Uh, try to take the company all in the world of tech, you know, a lot of the apps and stuff that you're seeing out there right now, very similar, but it was just too soon. It's like five, six years ago when the market really wasn't ready for it. And it was also like 2007 when the, when the economy was just, just tanking. And so he, he, one day walked in, literally there's 35 of us and he walked in with it. So that's it. Party's over. And he um, fired the 30 of the 35 of us on the spot. And uh, I've never said I'm the smartest cat out there, but I'm definitely an opportunist. And so when I walked into his office, uh, I was like, hey, just out of curiosity, what are you going to do with the training? Because I knew he was—he he didn't up the company. He actually um, went all in on the software side. So he kept the five developers, fired all the sales guys and everybody else. And he really didn't have a plan for the training. So I was like, shit, can I have it? And uh, long story short, he said, yeah, sure. So I started a company called Kente Partners with one of the other senior trainers, and then ran that for a few years. And then back about three years ago, went off on my own with Jay Barrows. Uh, main reason just because my, my business partner was a good guy. We just had different views of scale and, and what we wanted to do. So I wanted to, and I really love the staff industry. Um, I, my number one client was Salesforce. And so with that, I split off, took all my clients. And now I'm working with some of the coolest companies out there like Salesforce, LinkedIn, Box, Dropbox. You know, Tableau, uh, Marketo, uh, you know, Benefits, uh, you name them. Uh, that's why I'm here in San Francisco because they're all here. But, uh, yeah, man, having a really good time. I mean, I focus on a lot of stuff, prospecting, negotiation, objection handling, closing. But really, the, the prospecting stuff is where the sweet spot is because everybody else has a uh, methodology or something once you get into the sales process. But very few have it when it comes to finding new business. And hmm. so that's really where I've kind to focus
0: my effort on I love that that's uh I find that's where a lot of the creativity you know comes into play a little bit more right like i i mean as as I was doing a lot of the uh the you know early days of post beyond you know the, the social selling and all that type of stuff, you can try so many different approaches. I love what you said in uh, in the interview I was watching with sales hacker last night about uh you know how you're Trying diff- all these different experiments and hacking Toad app, and what I love <laughs> so much about your model is that you're, you know, obviously reaching out to all these VPs of sales, and your tactics are so effective that it's it's just a natural sell because they know that you're going to be able to, um, you know, impart those upon their sales guys, right? So it's a, such a such a beautiful model. And let's talk about your site for a second because again, I can't tell you as a, a former education tech entrepreneur, it's probably the best e-learning site I've seen of any entrepreneur um, by far on the web like, quite honestly I, know, yeah no it's uh, it's amazing and you know I will obviously link to it um, in the uh, in this post here but tell me about that just you know I guess it's pretty recently relaunched right I'd love to know a little bit more yep. about that process and you know how long it took you to put all that all those assets together obviously it's evolved over time but yeah I'd love to hear a bit about that
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. I've been working. Last year, I I put a lot of effort into it. So I'm all about, like, lean startup, right? Like, throw something out there, put a little bit of... But Don't put too much money behind it and don't do something crazy until you get some proof points, right? Yep. Um, and that's what I did about three years ago when I split off on my own. I just put up a simple WordPress site, more of a, you know, hey, here you go. And then I started recording some of my own videos just, you know, on my laptop and just, hey, here's a nugget, here's a nugget, here's a nugget. Yep. And I built an online portal that had all my stuff in video format and, um, you know, that to Salesforce. And, you know, real simple stuff, but it started to take hold. People started to like it. And so, Last year, I really went all in. I went out and did some, you know, pretty high-end videos and sat in the studio for a few for a few days and um, worked with a company called What Army that does all my video stuff and all my online stuff and they really just top-notch HubSpot enabled landing pages, everything. And the whole idea, you know, as I as I've been we talked about earlier, right? Uh, you know, throughout my career, I've just been picking up nuggets. I think training. You know, forget about my training, um, but any training in general is about nuggets tips, right? You walk in, and if you come out with, of a book or a podcast or something like that with one or two nuggets, that's, yep. that's good. The challenge is, is if you sit through an entire day's worth of training and you pull out one nugget, that always frustrated me, right? Or, or reading like a 300-page book on sales and figuring out, oh, I could put that in my subject line. That's a good idea. It's like, to me, it's... You know, could I have just gotten that in like one page or couldn't you have just told me that in, you know, a half an hour discussion? And so to me, that's really what my mindset has been over the years is always looking for these nuggets and tips and ideas to, to curate from other people who have done really good things. And I'm not talking about just trainers. I'm talking about other really good sales reps that I know. And, you know, for me, failing a lot and trying a bunch of different stuff out. And then every time I come across something that works, I would just started to either blog about it or write about it or, or uh, you know, do a video about it or have somebody else do a video about it. And I just started pulling all that stuff together and then put it all together in that resource center so that everybody else can share. Because I'm a big believer that, you know, sales is, is a tough, real tough profession. And, again, since there's so few universities that teach sales, you know, it, it's a trial by fire. It, it's learning by um, experience and everything like that. And I think just think we need to help each other out. So when you come across like a tip or another idea, uh, a lot of people don't like sharing it because it's like, oh, this is going to be my special thought. But I, 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 I take the other approach to that, which is, hey, share it with everybody else so that we can help elevate this profession. You know, cause there's too many people, unfortunately, that do this profession wrong. You know, they take shortcuts. They they lie. They cheat. They steal just to get their commission check. And that's why I think you know, when people say, "Oh, what's your favorite sales?" You know, people when people say Glengarry Gary, Glenn Ross, or Boiler Room, <laughs> or Wall Street, that you know, to me, those are the worst sales movies on the planet. They're great movies. They're hysterical, right? But they're absolutely everything that's wrong about selling. Um, you know, great sales movies is stuff like uh, Pursuit of Happiness or Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy is my favorite sales. <laughs> You know, the idea there is, you know, we've got to help each other out. You know, if this profession is going to be respected, um, then we have to do it the right way. And when you come across a tip or a nugget or an idea that works or a technology that works, I'm a fundamental believer in sharing that out there with people so that everybody else can benefit from it.
0: Hell yeah, dude. You're speaking my language. That's for I mean, that's literally the exact reason why uh, we started the Hunter and Craft website is to have a, a place, a platform to document the learning that you know that goes on in our careers especially early days i mean my i came out of my previous company uh, which was called eprof and uh, again that was the education tech play and we didn't have a goddamn clue what we were doing you know same same as, same as you started at 23 right but i mean i think your outcome was a little better you ended up selling the company but you know we failed pretty miserably but you know there was so much good learning that came out of that and it's, it's so painful to just, you know, have all that up in your head and, and not be able to document it in any sort of way, right? So that's why, you know, we mm-hmm. created, created the platform and, um, but you know, like you said, it's, it's all about nuggets and just um, talking to, you know, guys like yourself who have expertise and making that uh, easy for people to consume. So, yeah, podcasts are definitely uh definitely a great medium and also writing it's funny you mentioned too the uh like I wanted to ask you about how you find time to write cuz that's something that I'm <laughs> trying trying to figure out just the best the best way like I'm becoming more ruthless with uh like calendaring my time and that type of thing because yeah. you know I've been sitting on uh a post like you top 25 things I've learned, um, in, you know, enterprise SaaS sales and, you know, this is good inspiration to get that out there. Cause there's, I mean, it's now probably mm-hmm. about, up to about 50 things, but how do you find time to, how do you find time to write? Like what's your, what's your writing process these days? And, and like, how do you make sure you're turning those posts out?
1: Yeah, man, it's a pain in the ass. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. It's um, it's not it's not tough to read something and put you know and post it out there or tweet it out there or something like that. But to actually sit down and write a blog, I thought it was gonna be easier. <laughs> <It's worse. laughs> I've been doing it now for like two and a half years, and man, I'm I'm straight up running out of things to say, right? So I <laughs> one of the things that I do is um, I just it, it actually is cool because it puts me in a position because it kind of forces me. I, I know. You know, because I now have a following and everything like that, I know my, my the followers kind of expect me on a weekly basis to put something else out there. Yep. And so what I end up doing is I end up just putting myself in a random ass sales situation to, to learn, right? So, you know, whether it's in a customer situation or whether it's, you know, just in a day to day situation where I'm going out and buying lunch or something like that. You know, paying attention. And, and every time I hear something, see something, I end up either recording it on my iPhone and saying, hey, here's an idea, here's something to write about. Or, you know, I, I use Evernote and I have a, a, a folder called just blog post ideas. And I just kind of throw things in there so when I compile them, then I can kind of dive in. And, and then it's, you know, just try to, like you said, block the calendar, man. You get, you treat I've become very, very strict with my calendar. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that sales reps, are, especially within organizations, nobody really respects anybody else's time, right? Meetings always go over. You know, they always start late. Um, people always just kind of walk over into your cube and have a conversation. stuff like, to me, that is what absolutely ruins productivity. Mm-hmm. So, for me, if it's on my calendar, it happens. I treat prospecting as an example the exact same way I treat a meeting with a client. Like, I'm not going to reschedule a meeting with a client, so I'm not going to reschedule prospecting. And even to blog post writing or writing anything like that, I do the same thing. I literally schedule it on my calendar, yeah. and that's what I do. And so I've just been pretty strict with that. And then, just as far as coming up with ideas, I'm always talking to people, asking people what their ideas are, um, you know, any tips or nuggets that they've come up with. And again, like I said, put myself in scenarios. So, because I feel like a lot of people learn, well, at least I do, learn way more from my mistakes than I do from my successes. So that's why I'm constantly, every time I lose a deal or every time I I get hung up on or or something like that or offend somebody in some way, shape, or form, um, those are the ones I tend to write more about because I feel like that's where the reality is. I mean, it's like baseball, right? If you're swinging, if you're batting 300 in baseball, that's fantastic. You know, in sales, if you're batting, if you're batting 200 in sales, that's you know, if you got a 20% close ratio on anything in sales, that's that's fantastic. How I many do fail 80% of the time? So there's way more content there to be be pulled out of failures, um, and that's why I, I tend to keep put myself out there so I can figure out new stuff to write about.
0: For sure, man. It's literally I've got such a running log of that's that's my kind of dedication now is anytime you know I, I had a call earlier this week where it was you know it was going pretty well but you know didn't set any good next steps and I, one thing that we're really trying to focus on um, is not giving away the farm in that first call right like really knowing mm-hmm. that hey you know um, our sales process typically you know on average from our data say it, it takes 10 calls to close a deal, right? And if yep. you, if you know that you need at least 10 calls and you need to talk to at least 4 people um you you can kind of chunk it out and i mean have you know some form of sales map where um to, to set those next steps right? that's been such a hard thing for me you know is i'm i'm too nice generally right i want to talk to you about yeah. that in terms of you know the the nice guy approach i feel like that shoots me in the foot a lot of times cuz you know you kind of need to be a little bit more reserved and you know take a deep breath uh, at times and say like look, you know, this is going to take us 10 calls and we need to bring in these people um, and, you know, really slowing it down. But I don't want to dig into that too much just yet because I did want to ask you about uh, some social selling stuff. Obviously, social selling being such a huge topic these days, it's something that you know I've uh, I've done a lot and had a lot of fun with. But I want to ask you about how you social sell because I uh, I was checking out your Sales Hacker interview and there's some pretty interesting stuff with like you know a dummy Facebook and Twitter account and you got Feedly and mm-hmm. Google Alerts and Inside View. So I'd love to hear you know just your social selling uh, process and how you're using that for your business.
1: Yeah, social selling, you know, it's funny because when social selling really started hitting the the scene about, I don't know, a few years back, I was like, oh, great, you know, yet another thing I got to do to be successful in sales, fantastic, right, add it to the list. But, um, and I just turned 40, um, unfortunately, but uh, so I'm right on the cusp of being like, all right, you know. This whole Twitter and all this crap, it's like, you know, I'm right <laughs> on the cusp of looking at that with rolling roll of my eyes. Yep. You know, like this is a joke and versus being like, all right, I get it, right? So for me, um, there's two sides of social selling, right? One is listening to the social world for triggers yep. so that you can make direct connections to your clients or prospects and say, hey, you know, I saw you tweeted about this. I saw you posted that. I saw your company did this. And then the other side is the whole brand building. Uh, which is what you guys are great at, right? Which is the whole, hey, sharing content in a way that is um, that is meaningful, right? And and building your brand. Yep. And so the way I do it, um, and this again goes back to time management and really building it into your process, is every morning uh, I talk about you know creating a routine. I've done a lot of reading recently mm-hmm. on on successful people and what they do to be successful and. You know, what This theme that keeps coming up is this thing of, of routine, right? They have this routine where they get in, they do a certain amount of things, they do whatever. So, for instance, you know, Tom Brady, and I'll be a, a asshole here, but, um, <laughs> you know, Tom Brady coming up this weekend, right? I guarantee you, Tom Brady, he wakes up every day on game day at a very specific time. He does a certain amount of things. He eats a certain breakfast. He listens to a certain playlist before he gets to the stadium. You know, he stretches out a certain way. Like, so he just gets himself in the game time mentality, Right. And he does it. It's not like it's different every time. I guarantee you it's the same exact thing every single time. Yep. And so for me to be successful, I think that part of that is I don't want to create a, too much of a routine, but every morning I've created a routine for myself where I kind of like reading the morning paper, right? My, my dad still to this day, he, he opens up the paper, he reads the morning paper, drinks his coffee, and that's how he gets into his mindset for the day. Yep. Well, the, the thing about the morning paper is it's cool, but... 80% of the morning paper is completely irrelevant to what I care about, right? So i got to kind of sift through all that stuff. But now we have all sorts of cool technology and tools that we can have information come to us. And so what I do is um, I actually I identify probably a top 25 list of accounts that I really want to get into, so from a prospecting standpoint. Yep. So Tier 1 Accounts, Top 25, and I put all those accounts on tools like one of my favorite new tools is Owler. Yep, I was so literally L-E-R. literally L-E-R.
0: just looking at that today. Salesloft put out that post saying like, hey, you know, it's Owler, Crystal Nose, and that other one that uh, you have yep. to
1: check out. Yeah, I mean, Owler's no joke, man. Jim Fowler's the guy who started Jigsaw, pulled it off with uh, Salesforce, and now he's running with Owler, and it's free. I mean, you put your top 25 accounts on there, you get alerts on a regular basis, you dive deep into the account, and it sends you an email once a day with a consolidated, so it's kind of like Google Alerts on crack. Nice. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, Owler, and like I said, I have a dummy Facebook account where I go like all my top tier accounts on Facebook. I don't use Facebook to engage. That's a personal thing. So I'm not creeping on people like their personal Facebooks, but their company's Facebook site, I'm going to like on those. Um, And the reason I have a dummy one is just because my regular Facebook account, there's just so much stuff on there that if if I put my clients on that, they'd probably get lost in the noise. Same thing with Twitter. So I use Twitter lists. Um, and I build a list for all my prospects and my clients. And when I click on that list, you know, the only thing that shows up in my feed is my prospects or my clients. Yeah. Um, and then I use Feedly. And Feedly is really just, the, you know, the RSS aggregator to to really just educate myself. So those other tools that I talked about, Owler and, and the other ones, those are for listening to the customers. Right, that's the one side of social selling to say, hey, you know what? I saw you tweeted about this. I saw you blogged about that. You know, we should talk about this, right? Because so I got something to add there. Yep. The other side of social selling, the brand building side, is really curating content and educating myself. And, and really, where social selling flipped for me was when I started looking at it as educating myself first. Yep. Right. When I looked at it as hey, you know, earlier on I was, oh, I gotta tweet, I gotta blog, I gotta build my profile and all this other stuff. I kinda was like, this is kind of stupid. <laughs> and and it drives me nuts when people just post something without putting any like, you know, hey, just retweeting like a 39 page ebook. Like, great. You know how many of those that I got? I got about a million 39 page emails or ebooks in my things to read folder in my right. So well, put some context. And actually, um, one of my favorite guys, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, I just started paying attention to him recently. Yeah. The guy is awesome. He's one of the best marketers out there. And one of his lines is, uh, content is king, but context is God. Yep. Right? So there's content, great, but but who cares, right? 39-page evokes. So if you're going to post that... Put a little flavor on top of it, give your opinion of that ebook, or tell people to go look at pages five, seven, and twelve, right? So what that does, what Feedly allows me to do is again educate myself first to say what am I interested in? I I need to educate myself on my industry, on my clients, on, on what's happening out there so I can be relevant, right? And then if and when I come across an article that I think is is good, that's when I then post it out there, share it out there with my network and say, hey. You know, here's a report that just came out, pretty interesting stuff. If you're focused on this industry, you might want to check it out type of thing. And so that's how, you know, I I share things out and and do like like an hour every morning, by the way. You know, from 7.30 to 8.30 in the morning, going back to calendar stuff, I have a recurring meeting on my calendar from 7.30 to 8.30 in the morning where I grab my coffee and I effectively just drink, you know, watch my morning paper, read my morning paper. While I drink my coffee and all I'm doing is scanning through data feeds and looking for little triggers, nuggets of things to say, I might only send out two or three really high quality emails in the morning and read one or two articles and throw a couple of posts out there. But in one hour every morning as part of that routine, I've done some high quality prospecting. I've educated myself and I've built my brand in a pretty efficient way.
0: Love that. Um, so a couple follow-ups on that. I think the educating yourself first thing is such a huge point. We face that literally every single day with, with our clients at Post Beyond. Obviously, you're probably familiar with these kind of employee advocacy tools, right? And it's, yep. it's such a fine line between you know, people, employees at the company just coming in and not reading any of the content, you know, sharing a hundred pieces of content, it just kind of feels spammy, right? So trying to build in the fact and the training to say, Hey, read the content first, right? That's really the first step that the the companies want is, you know, people at the basis level, just consuming their content and understanding what's going on around the company. And then ultimately, if they do, you know, feel the need to share it, Edit the piece of content, put your own voice to it, and then you know share it, share it, or schedule it out, right? So it's uh, that's something that you know we're facing day to day. It's uh, it's not easy. It's, I mean, you know, you want no. a lot of companies want people to be sharing content consistently because that's ultimately what's driving reach. But at the same time, you want it to feel organic, right?
1: Well, and it's just like, it's, you said it, right? Some, I forget who said this to I me. Mean, it's like content new spam, right? It's like all of a sudden, you know, in a little while, still reps still do this. They take a the marketing email. They blast out their entire database, right? And they play the numbers game. I sent out 10,000 emails. I got 50 responses, whatever. And and that is not good. Um, and it's the same with content now. It's like people just retweet and post and post and whatever their company says to post. But, That's not really, in my opinion, you know, the whole idea is to be seen as an industry expert. So be seen as somebody that I want to do business with and somebody that has some type of insight into something, right? Like IDC just came up with a report that said if you are known as a thought leader in your industry, you are five times more likely to get the business. And if you're not, and you don't become a thought leader just by, you know, automating it, right, and turning it into a robot, one of the big things I'm talking about these days is, you know, the death of the average sales rep and how I think the average sales rep is going to die a painful death because marketing automation is coming upstream and all this other stuff. So, you know, and, and a lot of that has to do with this automation, these robots, these reps turning into robots and, you know, again, blasting out template emails, making generic cold calls, asking bad questions, pressing play on demos. Like all of that I think is going to get replaced by a technology. And it, it's the same thing with posting and social selling. Like if yep. you're out there just doing it without putting any context on it, what what value do you bring as a sales rep to this equation? I can set up a fake name if I'm a marketer and I have content that I want to get out to a thousand people. I'll set up ten fake names. They all have the company address and t- t- set up ten fake Facebook and Twitter accounts, and then just post it on all of them. I mean, what what's the difference between that? And a rep doing it automated wise, right? That's why that context component is so critical. Cause it just it, nothing annoys me more than somebody's like, Really good ebook here? Okay, thanks, pal. You know, appreciate that. So <laughs> you know putting your flavor on top of it is, is the critical piece of this. And and that's why I look at it as educating yourself first because social selling and posting to me is way more about quality than it is about quantity. <laughs>
0: Talk to me really quick about um, like this crystal nose product and a couple of these other other ones that are meant to improve, I guess, the efficiency of your outreach, predicting channels and that type of thing. Because one of the biggest things that I struggle with is, you know, which activities in social selling, like, you know, which do I perform to get the most ROI for my time, right? Because the thing with social selling, obviously, is that, you know, you want to be overly personal and you want to make it feel organic Mm -hmm. and, and put a lot of thought into it. But it's pretty time-consuming to do that, right? So what, yeah, are, what are your thoughts on, I guess, getting the most um, – like, like what channels or what tactics have you found the best return on your time for um, and you know, maybe some of the tools that you use outside of the ones we talked about uh, to, to help improve that?
1: Yeah, time management's the big killer, right? Because there's always that balance between quantity and quality. Yep. You know, if if it was the best case scenario, right, we have all the time in the world to do research on every single account we want to go into and write this perfectly customized email and all that other stuff. But reality says we just don't have that kind of time, right? And a lot of us unfortunately are being held to metrics like fifty dials a day or, or whatever, which I still think is ridiculous, but I get it. Um, so I think there's always that balance. This is why I really try to tier out my approach and my accounts, right? So I got my tier 1s, tier 2s, and tier 3s, my great average and crap accounts. And my tier 1s, those are the ones I'm taking the quality approach to. Like I said, those are the ones I'm following on all those tools. Hmm. Where my tier 2s, and I'm, and I'm sending very targeted emails with very specific contact strategies around them, and I use tools like ToutApp to really make it efficient, yep. you know, that type of stuff. Um and, and learn and figure out which approaches are working and which ones aren't. But um the tier twos, that's the quantity approach, right? But when I say quantity, I don't mean blasting out about emails. I mean coming up with very specific, like nuanced things about them, which is why You know, when you qualify your accounts, most of us get our territories based on very, very generic demographic information, like uh, number of employees or, um, you know, revenue or industry or whatever. But there's all that other stuff that we can learn and and gather, uh, whether through research or a quick phone call or something that can help us better qualify. So stuff like what current technologies is the company using? Who's the competition in there? You know, do they have a strong social media presence? All this stuff. And all those nuanced things allow me to, to segment segment out my database a lot better, right? So now for me, like CRM is a very uh, specific thing for me. If you're using Salesforce, that's great for me. Yep. If you're using like Microsoft Dynamics or something like that, that's not bad. Shows you've invested. If you're using Active or Goldmine or whatever, that's terrible for me, right? <laughs> so, needless to say, you know. So now, if I figure out what that is, right? So I'm. So here's an example. I'm, I'm cold calling into an account and I'm saying, hey. And, and I, ca- I won't try to get into a CEO or VP sales. And the secretary picks up the phone. And they say, um, No, he or she's in a meeting. Can I put you through to their voicemail? So, yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. Hey, real quick, before I go through their voicemail, um, do you guys use Salesforce? <laughs> and, oh, yeah, we do. Why do you ask? Oh, I was just curious, right? And then I go in Salesforce and I check off the box that they use Salesforce. And eventually I run a report that says, I want to see every VP sales and staff industry that uses Salesforce. And That might only be 30 or 40 names in my territory, but then I can run a very targeted list. I can come up with a very specific message of the value that I bring to VPs of sales in the SaaS industry that use Salesforce hmm. and come up with maybe three, four, five different things of value that I bring to that target audience and then put together an email campaign that goes out relatively automated. Right, The only thing that's customized is probably the name. Hi, Bill. We're working with other VPs of sales in the SaaS industry who use Salesforce showing them how to do these things. We're about to talk to you about it. And so now I can run these campaigns to get the volume up there without blasting out a thousand emails to everybody in my territory, which is what I think marketing should do. Yeah. Right. That's marketing's job. The mass emails to everybody else—that's marketing's job. And I was saying earlier about the death of the average salesman. You know, the, the question that we have to ask ourselves today is, what can you do that a computer can't? Because if a computer can do it, then you you have to ask yourself, how long do you think you're going to have a job? Mm-hmm. Right? And so and and a computer can do those math blast emails way better than we can, by the way. Like the Marchettos and the Elicos of the world. They can run those campaigns and split test and figure out click through rates and all that other stuff way better than we can. So we have to figure out how we can tailor and target our message in a way that still gets the volume up there, but but does it in a way that's m- more focused on the people that we're reaching out to. Hmm.
0: Beautiful. Okay, that leads in nicely to some of the sales team design stuff because that's a that's a topic that you know we're going through right now at Post Beyond. You know how to best structure our team in terms of obviously inside sales, marketing, and the AE role, and then obviously you know biz dev and channel stuff. So I want to pull out a couple nuggets, hopefully from you know some of the clients you're working with. Like you're literally working with the who's who of sales teams in the world, right? And in SaaS. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you see in the market and what some of the best sales teams are doing. Uh, you know, what do you think kind of separates the most amazing sales teams from kind of mediocre sales teams? Um, and then I also want to dig into, uh, some of the AB testing stuff, but just at a high level, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, um, what really sets the best sales teams apart?
1: Yeah, it's. Um, I think the the working together and con- and continuous improvement, right? Those are the two things that I would highlight. Are you know how are the teams structured, right? Sales is a very individualistic uh, sport, if you will, right? We're all out there, but if we work together, it, it, we can figure things out a lot faster. Yep. And so, from a from a structure standpoint, where you know, you got, and, and this actually leads to your comment earlier about split testing too. To me, for instance, here's a, here's a great way that uh, sales teams work together, which is using tools like tout using tools like, you know, whatever to come up with one, you know, a few, a few templates, not everybody has their own templates, but Hey, let's standardize on three or four templates that, that are kind of like 75, 80% dates. Right. Yep. And so as an example, um, Mergers and acquisitions, right? Every time somebody goes through a merger and acquisition, you can kind of say the same thing. So you can create an email template that reads something to the effect of, hey, I was doing some research on you. Notice you merged with blank, right? That's where you have to customize. And then the reason I probably need to reach out to you is a lot of our clients who merge with other clients who use our platform in this way, we'd love to talk about it. That message right there, that value statement can stay similar. Yep. So now you create a merger and acquisition template, you put it into Toutout, and then you have everybody on the team using that and, and also tracking their top 25 on mergers and acquisitions using something like ours, right? So now every time you get pinged on a merger and acquisition, you open up that template, shove it up, fire it up, and then in a month or two, if everybody on the team is using it, you know, then you get some data points there that say, hey, you know what? We sent out this template 45 times. We got 20 open, 10 responses. That's a good one, right? Or we sent this one out 25 times, you know, 45 times. And we got no open, no responses. Let's flush that out. So that's, you know, working together. It's the same thing with call lists as an example. Most people are even asking me these days, why should I even make phone calls, right? Nobody's just picking up the phone. And I'll tell you right now, calling is, I think calling is a waste of time if you sprinkle it throughout the day, right? If you make two or three phone calls, send an email, make a few phone calls, whatever. It's a drastic waste of time. And with the millennial crew, right? They're, they're, they don't even want to get on the phones for crying out loud because, you know, like I said, I'm 40, so I grew up in the – if you were on email in sales, you were, you were wasting your time. Like this was a full-on get-on-the-phones and make $400 a week for as long as you as as long you can. <laughs> and so, yeah, that, that worked back then maybe. It wasn't really that effective, but it worked. Now, phone is like, really? So – but if, if you don't work together on it, it is a waste of time. And so my favorite way here as an example of working together to figure it out is, and this is how you can integrate marketing into the equation too, have marketing come in, right, and do like a lunch and learn about a certain persona, right? So, hey, here's a CIO in the healthcare industry. This is what CIOs in the healthcare industry care about these days. This is what their priorities are. These are some of the things that they're thinking about. Here's a a couple of, you know, I call them attention grabbers Like, what can you say to CIOs in the healthcare industry to get their attention? So it would be something like, hey, we show CIOs in the healthcare industry how to drive these type of results, whatever. And then what are two or three questions to ask CIOs in the healthcare industry specifically, right, to show that you know what you're talking about? And by the way, here's a case study that aligns with that. So now you do a little lunch and learn on that, and then everybody runs a list of CIOs in the healthcare industry and gets on the phones together and all uses the same approach. Yeah. Right? So for an hour, just an hour, everybody's using the same approach. And then they're all tracked how many calls, how many referrals, how many meetings that set up. And then you compile all that data at the end. So say you got 10 reps making calls, right? we probably make 15000 20000 an hour, no problem with that approach. Yeah. Well, now you have 200 data points on one very specific approach that you can look at and say, we made 200 phone calls, we got 50 conversations, and we got 10 meetings. And if you do that on a consistent basis and understand that every single email you send or every single phone call you make, you're using an approach. And then if you bucket that approach and focus on it for a period of time with the team, you can start to figure out stuff that works and what doesn't work. And and that leads to that split testing thing. So you're constantly trying new things out, and you're comparing it to what you know works and what doesn't work. And then you just develop this whole list of things that, okay, we know these approaches work. So therefore, when a new hire comes on board, you say, "Hey, you know, you'll figure it out as you get going here. But here's some approaches that we know work. Uh, why, you know, here's how you can help get started here." So that's what I'm seeing. You know, very few companies do that. Most companies are, "Hey, SDRs, CDRs, AVs, go for it." You know, what do you guys do? Did you hit your metrics this day? But they, they don't really work together. Yeah. Um, they, they just are all kind of, you know, law of averages type of thing. And the best ones are when the coaches are, or the managers are involved in coaching. Yeah. And there's this team environment of, of let's
0: figure things out here, guys. It's amazing how much, you know, I mean I grew up playing team sports, playing hockey. It's amazing the the parallels between that and sales, you know, sales teams, right? And just like the the importance of leadership. Uh, I mean everything you're saying that you like you have the technology, you have the tout apps, you have the 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 tech that can do the work, but you need the brains, obviously, and the savvy to be able to, you know, put together those messages and design those tests and all that type of stuff, which is something that is uh, is super fascinating. You know, we're, I've been fortunate to work with my colleague, Chad, who's actually my co-founder on, uh, on Hunter and Craft here, and he's uh, mm-hmm. been, you know, hugely instrumental in kind of helping us design a lot of that process. But, yeah, it's going to be really cool. I mean, like I said, we're at, you know, four or five AEs right now, but, you know, planning to kind of double this year and uh, we're starting to get into, you know, the recording of calls and and some of the team selling type stuff. So I wanted to ask you really quick on like call recording and that, you know, that kind of process of giving feedback on calls. Is there any tech that you would recommend um, that's, you know, really good for that? And I know that leads us into your tribe thing. Well, but specifically, specifically related to like, you know, call recording and feedback, any, any, tools that you recommend people use for that uh i
1: not often so call there's there's two things right there's the live i don't think managers do enough of the live kind of coaching right where they're doing a call list with their team they're listening in on it and then right afterwards they give feedback live as opposed to recording a bunch of calls and then listening to it and you know and then providing feedback whatever yeah um you know, the the latter, right, the recording of the calls, listening to them, that's good. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a bunch of technologies. I don't know which one's better than the other, so I don't want to kind of advocate for one. I'll tell you right now, my favorite, uh, here's a nugget for people to do with their teams. Um, one of my favorite things to do, to, and, and this is where you will learn more in this scenario than you will ever learn in any training you will ever go to, including mine. Hmm. Um, you, I like grabbing three reps, right, three, maybe four reps. Uh, four people total and one of those should be the manager and you gra- everybody grabs like a small conference room and everybody brings in their lists, right of all their accounts that they're supposed to call into and then you sit there with a, with a speaker phone and you make round robin dials on the speaker phone Right, so you know, I say I make a phone call, right, and and I call in and some secretary just absolutely shreds me, right? Just hangs up on me, midsets, whatever. <laughs> well, first of all, everybody's laughing their ass off because it's always funny to watch train wrecks live, right? <laughs> Second of all, if if you're up next, you're obviously not gonna do what I just did, right? You're gonna do something totally different. And then say you do something smooth and you get through and you have a really good conversation with somebody. Well, the person after you is gonna do what you did to avoid what I did. And in a super short period of time, you know, you, you learn way more that way than you would listening to any recording or, you know, or doing any type of, you know, role play or any of that stuff. So to me, that is, is something that I've, I coach a lot of my managers, uh, the, work, the ones that I work on, and a lot of times when I get that, that nugget out, they say that, dude, that is probably the best thing that we've done because it's also all fun, right? Then you can have contests around it. You can have a little pot of people in one room and another pot of people in another room. And whoever gets the most meetings or whoever has the most train wrecks or whatever it is, Um, and it's a really, really strong coaching uh, opportunity to learn really fast. So that, to me, is uh, not a technology. Um, cause there's plenty of them out there. Listen to it, you know, give your pitch, record it, let me give you feedback, thumbs up, thumbs down, you had a good cadence, whatever. Right. Uh, you know, but that's only so, that's only so valuable in my opinion. Hmm. It's the live application stuff where I'm on the phone, I just got my asses handed to me. <laughs> what should I have done better there, you know, boss? Cause I'm feeling it right then and there, right? Two days later, when you get to it on your iPhone, you listen to it and you give me feedback. That's that's like that might as well have been last year that that happened because I probably made $50, $100, $200 between now and then. Hmm.
0: So, one of the things that I thought was most impressive about you and your website that I didn't even realize is that you've actually developed not only the site and the entire knowledge base but also a couple of products and apps related to that as kind of spinoffs right so tell me a little bit about tribe and then also sales yeah. sales from the streets
1: yeah so it's a little kind of you know one of my little pet projects and it leads to something you and i talked about earlier which is just the the collaboration of sales reps and, and everybody helping each other out so about three years ago came up with the idea of just crowdsource sales training and um, sales from the streets is it's well, the idea is you know two minute nuggets right so everybody out there you've gone through trainings you've read books so we all have nuggets we all have tips we all have ideas and boom, so the idea is with sales from the streets just record them right so hey here I just came out of a, a meeting and you know I asked this question it was a really good one I got a really good response and here's how to do it. And it's a very, very tactical, right? So this, it's not just, hey, here's an interesting thing. It's, no, no, here's how to do this. Now go do it. And so the idea there is I put all my nuggets and tips on there, and there's a bunch of others from a lot of other sales reps that I reached out to. And, you know, it's all categorized, right? Negotiation, objection, handling, closing, all that stuff. And the concept there is, like, you're, you're on your way to the, you know, to the office or you're on your way to a meeting. And you just, you know, you're about to meet with somebody and you're about to go into a negotiation and you just kind of scroll through the app and say, oh, okay, negotiations. And there's 10 videos there on negotiations of reps who have like tips on negotiations. You watch them, like, they're less than two minutes. So you can just do that like, cool thumbs up, thumbs down. And, the, and try to get some new ideas on how to negotiate more effectively. And again, share, crowdsource uh, that stuff. So that's an app that's on the Apple store. totally free of charge. I, I don't charge people for it because I'm really trying to build a community there. Um, and then uh, Tribe is. Along those lines, it's more, um, if you look at my website on the resource center, I was trying to figure out a way to distribute all that content because I had about 130 pages of content. So we created this presentation layer where as long as I got a link to it, right? as long as you like Dropbox or Box or SharePoint or any of that stuff, as long as I can create a link, there's a, a WordPress where on the back end, you put the link there and then you tag it based on whatever the topology you come up with is. So you know, sales stage, skill set, industry, role, whatever, and you tag it with as many things that that tip or that nugget is is related to. And then as you search for it, you can just you can you know you can do the drop downs and say, I want to say all uh, sales stage, right? So it'd be prospecting, and then skill would be messaging, and then industry would be manufacturing and role would be AE. And you click on those four things, and the only thing that shows up is just a really simple way of searching for drilling down to content for exactly what you're looking for. Hmm. And so I use that to, to distribute content on my website, but we're also giving that to clients so that they can actually create their own uh, tra- internal tribal knowledge and have reps record it, uh, either record their own tips or marketing departments, you know, make sure that they have the information and distribute it to people the right way so that reps – because we found that reps are always – You know, marketing, no matter how good they do, or enablement, no matter how much they try, they try to, you know, put all the content in one place, either on Dropbox or Box, and do a really logical tree of where all that information is, but inevitably, sales reps are like, hey, where's this, and where's that, where's (laughs) the most recent presentation? This this puts a presentation layer on top of it, so no matter where reps are, you know, no matter where their content is, they can just, it it doesn't matter, because they'll just go into this and sort by it, so... You know, again, just the whole idea of giving reps better
0: information faster in, in a more streamlined fashion. Huh. So, your uh, that you know, badass knowledge hub that I was looking through last night, where you can sort by, you know, here's the free content, here's the premium content, like you know, the really nice kind of tile view. Is that basically you mm-hmm. you using Tribe, but kind of for your yep. own? Yeah, okay, gotcha. And that's, that's all exactly it. all yeah, powered exactly through WordPress,
1: right? It. Yeah. Super simple stuff, and that's why I'm selling it super cheap. I mean, I know this, I, I don't want this to be a sales pitch, but I've created, you know, there's a lot of LMS and all this other stuff and content management. And, you know, they're just so over engineered and all so ridiculously expensive. <laughs> so, this is just something like a couple hundred bucks a month. We can give this to somebody that they can do their own thing with if they want. So, for instance, like, you know, for your reason, anybody who has a resource center on their website, you can use this to, to organize it more efficiently. Um that's what we're going after, just trying to help people out. Because I, I think most of the companies, I mean, the the, the benefit I have right now is that I'm, you know, I'm a one-man show. And I'm doing good. I'm, I'm happy with what I do and making a decent amount of cash. So I don't have any funding. I don't have any VCs looking over my back. I don't have anybody pushing me to build a huge company and charge just an absurd amount of money for stuff. And there's so much technology out there right now that is so easy to use. But I mean, I look at some of these these things that companies are coming up with, and I'm like, oh, that's uh, yeah, I can do that for free, or I know a, a, a technology or you know, a buddy of mine could put that together for you know, a hundred bucks. But yet they got a hundred million dollars in funding from somebody, and they're selling it for you know, ten thousand dollars per user per month. Yeah, it's like what? So I don't know. I, I even though I'm sitting here in San Francisco, and you know, living in the in the world of just money being thrown around for any stupid little idea that seems like it's got some traction, I still have, you know, the old school Boston mentality of, you know, I'm not going to charge people for it unless it's worth it. And, um, you know, and I ain't going to take any money from anybody unless, unless I absolutely need it and I don't need it. So. Um, that's why we're having some fun with stuff like this. i have actually starting another. Uh, my buddy Chris Merrill, who is uh, the founder of What Army, the guys who did my website and everything like that. Yeah, we're starting a little separate company uh, coming up here in a few months. It's going to be a little incubator, and it's just to do exactly that. He's a smart kid. He's a wicked smart kid um, awesome. that knows all this technology and stuff. And and I'm the one that kind of is in this world of sales. And so we're putting the two together and saying you know, hey, there's, there's problems out there that people have that we can come up with real simple solutions to that are not over-engineered, and uh, we're have some fun with this little incubator that we're putting together here.
0: And at the end of every episode, we like to, you know, get a couple of recommendations for you on, uh, you know, some some must-follow people in the industry, some must-read, yeah. must-read books, events, different things like that, but for someone who's, uh, you know, thinking about kind of going out on their own like you've done, you know, operating a services business, off the top of your head, maybe you know from some of the best hard knocks you've had, or you know the maybe the failures or anything like that. Some of the uh, best nuggets that you would give someone who you know who's thinking about uh, starting their own kind of whether it's a training or a services business. Yeah,
1: it's a, it's a tough go, but it, you know I, I found my passion, and, and like I said, I'm, the best thing that Staples could have ever done for me it's firing me, right? Because I was, one of the blog posts I'm thinking about writing is stop doing what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Um, Because I was for a long while in my career, and I was, you know, personally and professionally, but in college, I was, I fell in love, well, quote unquote, fell in love with this girl at, you know, freshman year and, stayed with her for seven years all the way through and you know what do you do after seven years you get married right and you buy a house and i was just going through the motions because that's what i was supposed to do she ended up breaking up with me and at first i thought oh my god i'm 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 devastated but like a couple days later i'm like oh thank god she did that right (laughs) it was the same thing with staples when they acquired us i was i was fighting it man i i was the the thrive network she cut my arm and i i bled blue and there was no way i was going to give up and blah, 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 and it wasn't right for me, but I kept fighting it, and they fired me, and like I said, you know, at first I was devastated, but then I woke up, I said, wow, thank God. So, you know, I had to have some learning lessons there, but really the the whole stop doing what you're supposed to do, right, just going through the motions of what everybody else is supposed to do. And once you realize that, once you realize that you really want to go off on your own and do something, um, you know, it's hard to start from scratch. I I will say I was fortunate in the sense that I – I joined this company, they screwed it up, and I took it over. And, you know, they had a product that everybody liked. They had a, um, you know, revenue stream that was already there, and customers, right? So very few people get to start a company with a product that people like, customer list, and revenue. Um, that's why I said I'm an opportunist. I'm not exactly the brightest cat out there. But um, I think the, the big thing is, especially if you're starting services, is figure out what your model is, right? Figure out what your – productize, do everything you can to productize your offering. Consulting is a brutal, brutal world because what happens with consulting is it turns into this hourly rate discussion and nobody's ever going to spend more than $250, 300 bucks an hour for somebody. And that might sound good, but it's not because from a consulting standpoint, people always want more from you than your – so your hourly rate, if you really put it together, your hourly rate for the nights, and the weekends, the prep and the follow-up, you're hourly. You might as well go work at McDonald's. Um, and so, with that, really productize, right? If you're, like using example, if you're going to do a pro, if you're going to do a consulting engagement or a consulting gig with somebody, make it a project, not just this open-ended monthly, you know, few grand a month, and I'll do this for you. Make it a project. Say it's going to be a six month engagement, and this is what the product, you know, this is what the deliverable is, this is what the timeline is. And, you know, and it doesn't matter how many hours I spend. If, if you agree on this deliverable, then I'm going to charge you 50 grand for that and everybody's going to be happy. Okay. Hmm. Um, and then do everything you can to, to find that one customer that has a logo, right? That has a logo that you can use as a reference. Yep. Then borrow and steal. Go to your friends, family, fools, whoever, and go, tell, go to a company and say, look, I will do this for you for free. I, you know, if you need to pay for it, all the better. But do it, with the, with the give-get, right, I train on negotiations, it's always gives and gets. Yep. And so if you're going to give away a discount or if you're going to discount your, your services really high, well, then get a testimonial, get a logo, get the ability to use their name as a reference, right? Because once you have that proof point that somebody else is buying this and there's value in it, then you can go out there and, and spread the word to everybody else who fits that profile. So really, you know, high recommendation of going out and doing free services, going out and doing services for very little money um, with with the really hyper focus on coming up with some sort of metric as a baseline before you get engaged with them and then looking at it three months later to see what that delta is. Because if you can walk into a company and say, hey, we showed this company how to take their, you know, whatever from X percent to Y percent after our engagement, and it drove this much additional revenue for them, that is gold. Because then you can go out and just scream at the rooftop about, you know, what you've done. I mean, the, the biggest thing I have, when I split off with um, with Chensei Partners right after Basho you know, when they fired us, I remember looking at all the clients, and uh, we put all the clients. We started a company called Tensei Partners, me and all the other senior trainers, and we put all the clients, the existing clients, on the board, and we kind of said, okay, you get this one, I get this one, you get this one, you know, so whatever. And I just remember looking at Salesforce. Out of all, I mean, there were big, big customers on there, like SAP, Oracle, um, you know, Forrester, Gartner, all these different things. And I just looked at Salesforce, and I said, that's the. I don't give a shit about any of these other ones. But I want Salesforce. And um, and then when I got Salesforce, I literally did everything I could to make them happy, right? I mean, I didn't give them my stuff for free, but I get, they got by far the biggest discount, um, you know, compared to any of my other clients. i would, you know, I'm still doing it to this day. They're shipping me off to Australia for one day. You know, I leave on Monday night. I, I get there on Wednesday morning. I train Wednesday. I get back on plane Thursday. Oh, I gosh. wouldn't do that for anybody else, right? But I do it for them. You know why? Because I can walk around telling everybody I train Salesforce how to sell. And, you know, that gives me, obviously, a lot of, you know, that's why my little niche here, but, you know, knowing exactly who your target audience is, really being focused on that, and then figuring out somebody that you can go deliver your quote-unquote product, even though it's consulting, maybe, right? Make it product, because people understand how to buy products. People have a very hard time buying consulting, because it's just this open-ended, you know, eh. But they have it's a lot easier to sell products than it is to sell consulting.
0: Hell yeah, dude. That is phenomenal advice. Um love it. Absolutely love it. So before uh before we let you go, just a couple, you know, recommendations, some stuff you're reading, you know, books that you really like, or maybe some podcasts or, you know, a couple people who are doing cool things in the industry that uh that our listeners should
1: go check out. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um my favorite book and I'll recommend it as always is uh a book called Influence by Robert Cialdini. Um, it's not a book on sales. It's a book on psychology and why we do the things the way that we do them. Um, it's really, you know, talks about the rule of reciprocity and all sorts of really cool stuff. Um, that one, um, as far as stuff to follow, um, there's, I mean, I, I just started following this guy because I love him. This is Gary uh, Vaynerchuk, right? D-A-Y-N-E-R-C-H-U-K. This dude is legit in every way. I just tweeted, I watched his uh, intro video and he talks about how, you know, this entrepreneurship and all was, you know, everybody thinks it's sexy and, and he's like 99.9% of you're going to fail. Like, you know why? Because you're not going to work hard as me. And he's like, and, and he's just in your face and I couldn't agree with him more. Um, then there's Jamie Shanks uh, with Sales for Life. I love his stuff on social selling. His blog, one of the better blogs I've come across specifically on social selling. Toronto's own um, baby. Yeah, I know. He's legit. I like I know, him a lot. I know doing those guys well. Digital Growth Conference. The Digital Growth Conference with him in a couple of months. Nice. Um, the Sales Hacker Community with Max. Um, that, that's one of my favorite um, LinkedIn groups. Yep. Because you post stuff on there, questions, stuff like that, that I'm a huge fan of. Uh, a good friend of mine, Trish Bertuzzi. Uh, she just came out with a really solid book. Um, she's with the Bridge Group in Boston. Love her. Nice. And then my mentor, uh, Jeff Hoffman. Uh, so it's mjhoffman.com He's uh, he's the guy that got me into this, and he, I still resell his IP. So um, I still go to his training sessions because he's one of the best presenters I've ever seen. So those are those are the group of, um, of ones that I, I'd recommend taking a look at. Um, and, again, and again, what I would do is I would set up a Feedly, right? I, I'd go to Feedly. I'd set up a folder for sales blogs, and I would just go and just poke around and look for some of the better sales blogs out there. Oh, uh, one more is... Um, The HubSpot uh, HubSpot sales blog is incredible. Uh, It's probably one of the best sales blogs I've ever come across. I can't believe they give us away some of that stuff for free. (laughs) I mean, it's way legit. Uh, I learn more from that than most.
0: Yeah, they keep it coming in a big way, too. They they churn out more content than anyone.
1: It's amazing. Yeah, and good content, too. Not just crap. I mean, legit content to legit people. So
0: right on dude well man this has been uh this has been a really fun chat i really appreciate you taking some time definitely going to uh encourage everyone to check out your uh you know learn.jbarrows.com the library there is unbelievable um a beauty man i really appreciate uh you taking the time for the interview and uh i look forward to hopefully you coming up to toronto and uh the opportunity to buy you a beer
1: yeah man, i mean, I'd love it if uh We'll see what happens with the Bruins, and uh, if we get the if I get a, <laughs> up there, we can maybe have some fun with it. But uh, I appreciate you having me on here, man. It's been a blast. I'm all about, you know, I love what you guys are doing, and just trying to elevate the game here for sales and and, and share good knowledge. So I appreciate uh, you having me on here, and hopefully all your listeners got something out of this. Um, and if there's anything I can do to help moving forward, don't hesitate to ask.
0: That's a wrap on another episode of Hunter and Craft Radio. I want to thank John for coming on the show. So many great insights, a lot of great lessons, and just really appreciate his whole take on wanting to give back to the sales community, build up the profession, and you know share all the great knowledge that uh, that he's been gaining in his career. So thanks so much, John. Make sure to keep in touch with him on social at John M. Barrows this is his Twitter. And, of course, go to jbarrows.com. Sign up for his newsletter. He'll he'll be consistently feeding you lots of great nuggets that you don't want to miss out on. And of course, keep in touch with Hunter and Craft. Really want to encourage you guys to sign up for our new weekly digest, which we're calling The Bullet. It's essentially an email digest of our top reads from around the web and any of our new content. It'll brighten up your Wednesday morning, guaranteed. So check out HunterandCraft.com and sign up for it. Until next time, take care, guys.